Welcome to the main column, proudly brought to you by our season sponsor, Maricam. Maricam is a global leader in full-service sulfur removal, caustic treating, and spent caustic treatment technologies. We also provide spent caustic handling services as an alternative to technology solutions. Maricam's reputation stands on principles of proven performance, unsurpassed expertise, and an uncommon commitment to its customers. For more information, visit Maricam.com. Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you all to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. Today, we're looking at the hydrogen sector on seven questions to consider about hydrogen hubs. So this podcast is adapted from an article of the same name, which is posted in the October issue of Hydrocarbon Processing Magazine. Now, before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor for this episode, which is SMB. So SMB is a top-tier integrated EPC company that designs and builds world-class large-scale industrial projects. SMB brings deep technical expertise to help clients solve their greatest challenges to deliver projects on time and budget. So when clients entrust their projects to SMB, they can consider it done. You can see how at sbec.com hp6. And now, on with the podcast. So hydrogen is poised to become a crucial part of the decarbonization equation as countries strive to reach net zero carbon emissions. To date, electrification has been the primary focus for decarbonization. The increasing use of electric vehicles is a clear example of that. While there are many instances of how electricity can be used to decarbonize, it is not applicable in every sector of industry. And hydrogen offers yet another alternative for decarbonization where electrification is not as suitable. So hydrogen already helps power our world and is most commonly used in petroleum refining, petrochemicals, fertilizer production, and other industries. As new ways of producing hydrogen with little or no carbon dioxide emissions are developed, transportation, industrial users, and utilities could become high-priority markets. Blue hydrogen, which is produced by a steam methane reforming process that converts natural gas into primarily hydrogen, water, and carbon dioxide, is presently considered the most viable option for economical low-carbon production. Blue hydrogen is considered a low-carbon process because the carbon dioxide is captured on the back end and routed to geological storage or used in enhanced oil recovery. Green hydrogen is another low-carbon hydrogen solution, using electrolysis to divide the water molecule H2O into its hydrogen and oxygen elements. While green hydrogen production is more energy-intensive than blue hydrogen production, it can be less carbon-intensive if the electricity utilized for the electrolysis is provided solely by solar, wind, or hydroelectric power. So pink hydrogen is similar to green hydrogen is that it's generated by electrolysis, but produced using low-carbon electricity generated by nuclear power. So clean hydrogen sources like these are being reimagined by investors, utility companies, communities, states, regions, and governments as a fuel source for various industries. Now, each method of low-carbon hydrogen production has its own benefits and challenges and are all attracting interest because of their potential to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Now, one of the many initiatives the U.S. federal government is embracing is the development of a nationwide hydrogen hub network. And the U.S. Congress appropriated $8 billion through the Department of Energy for the establishment of 6 to 10 regional hubs, which are dubbed hydrogen hubs, 
to provide DOE grants for clean hydrogen in the U.S. under the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Now, in simple terms, each hub is going to receive between $500 million and $1 billion of Department of Energy funding in the form of cooperative agreements and other incentives. The development of hydrogen hubs is intended to be the first step toward the creation of a national network of clean hydrogen producers and customers that could help facilitate the emergence of a clean hydrogen economy. Now, to kick off this effort, in September of 2022, the Department of Energy Office of Clean Energy Demonstrations issued DEFOA 0002768, which was entitled Regional Clean Hydrogen Hubs. This funding opportunity announcement called for proposals from prospective hubs. Now, 79 hydrogen hub proposals were submitted, with 33 of them getting an encouraged stamp of approval from the DOE to move forward in the application process. And at the time of this podcast, the United States has awarded seven regional hydrogen hub contracts. Now, although there is broad agreement on the need for a robust clean energy economy that includes hydrogen hubs, there is much to be considered. So there are seven key questions that industry players need to consider when they're thinking about clean hydrogen hubs. So first, how is a hydrogen hub defined? Now, each hydrogen hub is a network of clean hydrogen producers, potential customers, and connective infrastructure. And a detailed work process is needed to navigate the feasibility of hydrogen. So the mission of a hydrogen hub is to provide clean and affordable hydrogen-based energy. This is a new opportunity for places to garner investment, whether through generation, in-use, or logistics. And an optimum hub is one where all the producers and consumers are within a 200-mile radius and work in a precise balance to produce, store, and convert hydrogen into usable energy sources to help meet regional needs. So next, what does a hydrogen hub energy future look like and what must happen to get there? So the energy sector continues to look for opportunities for expansion and diversification to secure a clean energy future. Innovation in any industry is the long-term key to success and early adopters in most industries are rewarded. As with any new industry endeavor, early adopters who take risks could be rewarded, while late adopters could lose out on capturing new markets. Now, the United States Department of Energy is providing up to a 50-50 cost-share incentives, tax credits, and other enticements to help advance the hydrogen hub sustainability model. Layering different hydrogen incentives on top of each other helps drive hydrogen production costs down, making the undertaking more viable and competitive with existing energy sources. Historically, the government has driven decarbonization efforts through incentives and legislation that allow emerging technologies to be competitive. By defraying some of the risk that private investors could incur, momentum is created for a broad-based system that will drive needed economies of scale. With economies of scale, the market can take advantage of costs being spread out across many participants. As technologies and supply chains innovations evolve, market costs will decrease, opening new pathways for adopting hydrogen as a major clean energy source. But it will just take time. Next, how are our hubs established and what are the different types? Now, it's important to begin hub development with the element that it's creating demand and then working upstream. Two prime examples of demand-leading hydrogen developments could be an airline committing to a long-term agreement to purchase sustainable aviation fuel from a production facility that sources clean hydrogen from a hub, and an agricultural enterprise that sources clean ammonia from a hub. 
Now, in these instances, demand fuels the need for sustainable aviation fuel and low carbon ammonia. These market forces drive the concerted effort of hydrogen hub entities to deliver these essential components of sustainable aviation fuel and ammonia. With solid demand, the next step is to consider a hub's existing resources and how to leverage them to produce, transport, and use hydrogen. When it comes to the hub development, the options are endless and much depends on resources within a given area. So some hubs are being established around state and municipality resources, while some are being established around public-private industry resources. And successful hubs will likely be a hybrid of both. Now the availability of regional resources and end users will drive the economies in decision making regarding hydrogen production and hub logistics. Geography and an area's electricity mix, including renewable energy sources, play a huge role in this. Production that results in end uses like renewable diesel, sustainable aviation fuel, methanol, or ammonia works well from a logistics standpoint that relies on trucks, rail yards, and pipelines. Now, some hubs may choose green hydrogen production rather than blue because they lack the geography or pipeline access to sequester carbon dioxide. Numerous potential underground storage sites, both geological and enhanced oil recovery, are located along the U.S. Gulf Coast and upper Midwest. So hubs there might focus on blue hydrogen production because of the carbon dioxide storage capacity. Now, in states like California, Louisiana, and Texas, unique infrastructure assets already exist that may be successfully converted for use in a hub network. These may include pipeline and port facilities, and now in some situations, significant hydrogen producers in these states could negotiate agreements from end users for more than 50% of their production output. Or they could conceivably integrate customers directly into their regional hubs. Now, no matter the location of a potential hub, the more a participant leverages its assets and partnerships, the more successful the overall hub endeavor is likely to be. So what challenges do hydrogen hub participants face? Now, you must determine your appetite for risk when considering participation in a hydrogen hub. A multitude of moving parts are involved and many challenges may arise. Now, the availability of renewable feedstocks to fuel the whole hydrogen economy is a huge concern, as is the abundance or potential lack of end users. Another key challenge is that approximately 70% of the cost of producing hydrogen through electrolysis is driven by the cost of power which of course raises concerns. Additionally, for hubs trying to establish new carbon dioxide pipelines, a not in my backyard mentality can be a barrier. This is proven to be pervasive in many regions and oppositions can emerge anywhere. For hub primes, the primary recipient of funding, there's also the question of whether necessary funding will materialize as well as concerns about liability. So what happens if a project within the hub loses money or fails to meet project standards or other funding sources? Now, what is the recourse for perceived failed and or mismanaged projects in the hub network? Now, another significant challenge is that hydrogen hubs are a new concept for governments like the United States Department of Energy. Now, the Department of Energy usually has stringent accountability standards and reporting mechanisms over the lifetime of a grant or loan. Now, for hydrogen hubs, the funding opportunity announcement from the Department of Energy provides a brief overview of the Department of Energy's process for analyzing emissions during the selection phase. However, there is ambiguity when calculating emissions during the planning 
stage and the Department of Energy has yet to define what tracking and evaluating of emissions should look like once the projects are fully established and operating. So the next question is what infrastructure is needed to support a hydrogen hub system? So hubs are sophisticated and intricate ecosystems that span the full supply chain. Hydrogen hub developers seek to utilize electrolyzer requirement energy from zero or low carbon sources to maximize greenhouse gas reductions. Now one way this can be achieved is by entering into purchase agreements, connecting directly with renewable energy generators, or using book and claim mechanisms like renewable energy credits. Logistically, to transport hydrogen, a buildup of hydrogen economy infrastructure is needed and should include transportation via rail, truck, and pipeline, as well as compression and storage operations. Because the hydrogen economy build-out will require an abundant supply of renewable and decarbonized energy, there must be an abundant supply of low-carbon renewable energy resources, such as wind, solar, geothermal, and hydrogen. Now, this can be challenging, since at its best wind power is available at average only 50% of the time, and solar a little less than that. With these capacity factors, a hydrogen plant may be forced to run intermittently or augment its power supply with energy storage or another clean energy source. So next, who will manage the hydrogen hub system and regional interconnection? When we look at the United States, the Regional Clean Hydrogen Hubs program is funded by the United States Congress and it's run by the Department of Energy. So the program's purpose is to aid in the generation, handling, distribution, storage, and use of clean hydrogen throughout the country. The program is noteworthy because it has the potential to significantly transform energy policy. Now, the federal government has allocated more than $9 billion in funding for hydrogen projects. Now, this is intended to jumpstart the clean hydrogen economy, with tax incentives helping hydrogen become a competitive solution in hard-to-decarbonize industries. These subsidies include 45V tax credits, where the value of credits is based on life cycle emissions. Additionally, Tax credits are available for carbon capture and sequestration efforts. Each of these tax credits can reduce the price difference between clean hydrogen and more carbon-intensive energy alternatives. As part of the 45V tax credits for hydrogen production, the U.S. Department of Treasury will establish rules for calculating life cycle emissions and determining the value of the tax credit. Now, the Department of Energy has also issued a proposal for a clean hydrogen production standard that is based on life cycle emissions. Now, it remains to be seen what government involvement and support will look like as the hydrogen economy takes shape. Ultimately, as with all free market economies, it will take regional hubs working together to optimize interconnectivity and the success of the sustainability model. And the last question is, what role do consultants play in the development of hubs? Now, every firm is different, and a thorough assessment of a firm's capabilities is critical. When working with a hydrogen hub consultant, entities should look for firms that can handle technical studies, permitting, financing, grant writing, technical economic analysis, and life cycle analysis. A knowledgeable firm can help determine both the technical operation of the hub and the financial sustainability of the hub, inclusive of how federal policy will impact short and long-term viability. Most importantly, the consultant should be able to determine the strategy and structure of the hub based on determining how to leverage all assets, including regional partnerships. Companies interested in considering a hydrogen hub-related investment need fit-for-purpose techno-economic and life cycle analyses. 
Considerations should include developing time-adjustable investment plans, which identify optimum configurations and the right mix of feedstocks, products, technologies, and supporting infrastructure to achieve hub goals. Now, financial outputs, including levelized cost of hydrogen production and the cost of hydrogen earmarked for transportation, cement or steel production, as well as products derived from hydrogen, such as renewable diesel, sustainable aviation fuel, methanol, and ammonia, should all be a key part of any analysis. In instances where hub development moves forward, working with a consultant that not only can advise on the hub's development, but can also help with its design and construction offers a clear advantage. Now, the process of establishing a hydrogen hub can be a daunting and complicated one, but it is becoming ever more critical as energy providers and others search for ways to achieve a cleaner energy future. Finding a partner with the appropriate technical, financial, and policy experiences is essential. Now, in addition to helping potential project owners determine when a hub does not make sense, a knowledgeable consultant should be able to identify alternatives for achieving sustainability goals. Now, again, we want to thank you for listening to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. And again, a big thank you to our sponsor of this episode, SMB. You can find out more at sbec.com slash hp6.